Hello friends, thank you for joining us and making us a part of your Lenten experience. Over the course of the next few weeks, we will be examining Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb offered as a sacrifice for our redemption. We invite you to join us this season through our Lenten study journal and in our Wednesday and Sunday gatherings. You can find more information on our website at ccgf.org. Here is the message from this past Wednesday. Grace and peace to you. Uh, I'm going to apologize in advance. Uh, for not being able to live up to that in any way, shape, or form. And also for these jeans, this was a bad choice, I'm sorry. It's laundry day, you understand. Also, Craig, you want to put out Ben, help us with that little dollar situation. Accepting <laughs> <laughs> donations. Uh, so, yeah, although I might not be the greatest evangelist you've ever heard, I'm confident that's not going to be the case tonight. I am extremely excited. Uh, to, to talk about the Word of God with you guys. Uh, I was tasked this week with uh, jumping into the book of Revelation. So, it should be a layup. Uh, and, uh, the fifth chapter, the entirety of the fifth chapter. So, it's a lot in there, and I'm excited to, uh, to dive into it some, in a very little time. So, we're going to get started. Every time that I have shared from the book of Revelation, I've always found it helpful to give a couple of like disclaimers slash perspectives to help build a lens to kind of look at that book through because the apocalyptic nature of the language that is in the book of Revelation can be distracting if we don't have a unified and clear lens to look at that book through. So that's what I do. I want to give two kind of disclaimers slash perspectives to help build this lens, and then we're going to jump into the book. All right, the first one is that... John, the author of Revelation, when writing the book, was not overly concerned with the same things that you and I might be concerned with as we're reading this, this revelation on this side of history, right? So oftentimes, again, because of the apocalyptic nature of the language, it's easy for us to read the book of Revelation and be consumed or concerned with the how these events are happening, are going to happen, or when these events are going to happen. When Paul's, or when John, excuse me, when John's writing this, he's not necessarily concerned with that. He's more concerned about the who and the why. Okay, so that's, and that's very important for tonight because we're going to look at, we're actually going to answer both those things in our text, okay? The second one is that the timeline in Revelation is not a linear sequence of events, right? So maybe think of it like this. It's not necessarily what happens next in history, rather what John sees next. Does that make sense? All right, so... Revelation, which is one, one revelation, God giving John one revelation, that revelations, is happening in the spiritual realm. And in the spiritual realm, time does not obey the same laws as it does in the physical realm. And it is not, uh, it is not encapsulated by the same kind of rules that we have to abide by. I know, think of it like this. So it's, it's, it's how God can... It's how the future can be some place that God is not going to be, but rather already is. You tracking with me? I, I know that's like third that's up there, but it's Revelation fan, what you expect. Okay. <laughs> so recap. It's not necessarily about the how or the when, but rather the who and the why. And the timeline is not linear. Both of these things are extremely important for our text tonight because both of them are in here, and the event that we're looking at in chapter five is something that has actually already happened. Okay? I do want to make note, though, that I thought, look, Craig, where you go? Home, Craig. Uh, Craig. I thought Craig did a phenomenal job this past Sunday breaking this text down uh, in, in depth. So 
uh, since I'm going to assume that the majority of us here probably attend this church, I'm going to speak under the assumption that all of us have heard that message. If you have not heard that message, it's totally fine. You're not going to be lost. I would encourage you to go listen to that message, though, on the website or YouTube or wherever they host it, because it probably answers some of the questions that might pop up as we're reading this with the things and the symbolism, okay? So I'm going to dive into, if you got your Bible, go ahead and grab that thing, because that's more important than anything I'm about to say. Um, and I'm going to read through all 14 verses of chapter 5. Uh, again, because of time frame, I'm going to kind of breeze through it. I'm going to try to articulate as best as I possibly can. All right, so uh, excuse me for the pace, but let's dive in. All right. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written, sorry, written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Side note, it's a very interesting sentence structure to me that he has conquered so that he can. Maybe that's a small group thing. All right? Continue. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and every language and every people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on this earth. Then I looked and heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voices of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that's in them saying to him who sits on the throne and the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. We made it. All right. So there is a lot of things being described in this chapter. However, there is only one thing happening. So do not let the, the descriptions of the things in this chapter distract you from the one thing that's happening. And the one thing that is happening is the worship of the lamb who was slain. Everything else in this passage is pointing to that one event. It's either telling you why they're worshiping the lamb who is worshiping the lamb, or what they are worshiping the lamb with. Okay, so that is the focal point for tonight. And I'm going to uh, kind of paint with a broad brush here. Uh, but from my personal experience, I would say that we in the American church probably need to do a little bit of work on our understanding of the concept of worship. Because I've heard this described as a genre of music, and the thing that you do when you listen to that genre of music or perform that genre of music. Okay, now, one of those things is an appropriate representation of the definition of worship. 
The other thing is just an adjective, okay? So, if worship is when we ascribe the proper worth to an individual or object. So if God is worthy of our praise, then we worship him when we give him the praise that he is worth, right? So, songs is a phenomenal way to do that. This, I, I, was, I was actually wrecked, man. I don't know if y'all did that. Um, when Mike was singing, or come thou found, I can't sing the prone to leave the God I love line without crying. Uh, so the fact that that happened was just very, it, it comforted me tonight. So thank you guys for choosing that song. But another way, as Craig spoke earlier, that we are able, um, that we, we use the phrase worship, at least in this church specifically, is when we talk about when we're giving our tithes and offerings. Right? So we talk about if, if God is in fact worth our wealth, which according to this passage, he, he, he specifically says that, then we are worshiping God when we are giving him the wealth that he is worth. Correct? Now, and the, the craziest part to me is that he's worth every dime that we own, but he just asked for the first 10% and he says, breaks me off that and you guys are straight. Right? But I'll do, I'll, I'll, I'll elevate it a little higher and I'll say, I'll, I'll talk about something that's, that to me is probably more valuable than your, your money and that's the only non-renewable thing, resource that we have, which is your time. Right? I read this one time and I thought it was hilarious in like a crying clown, ironic kind of way. Uh, but uh, Jeff Bezos, Amazon guy or astronaut with a cowboy hat, however you picture him in your mind, uh, has an estimated net worth of $189.2 billion, that's what it would be, dollars. Okay, now I'm sure not all of that is liquid, I'm sure it's tied up in assets and stocks and stuff like that, right? So uh, let's pretend it's cash, and if he's going to keep this trajectory to maintain his net worth, if you do the math, carry the one, uh, that means he's roughly makes $6,000 a second. Good thing we got that 401k, right, guys? $6,000 a second, which means if Jeff Bezos was walking on the street and saw a $100 bill on the ground, it literally would not be worth his time to stop and pick it up. So it begs the question, what is worth your time? And are you giving your time to things that might not be worth it? And is God worth your time? And if so, are we giving him the time that he's worth? One of my favorite pastors, pastor's uh, church in Dallas, Texas, his name's Matt Chandler, writes books, phenomenal guy, feel free to check him out. Uh, he once described worship as an act of attention, and I love that. I love that description because it really is a focusing in of our attention. And in light of that quote, I did some research and I found a statistic from statistica.com. They do surveys and tests to, to, to build stats. And it was a stat about the amount of money that were spent in, in each industry last year. Okay, and at the top of that list was a price tag of $296.4 billion. And this was just in North America. $296.4 billion that was spent on advertising, which is very interesting. And that's on that's the top of the list. And to give you guys a little bit of context for that, so other industries that tend to trend toward the tops of, of that list is health, wellness, and fitness. Right? Well, like the, hopefully try to get in shape, right? That's one of the top ones. And unfortunately, also online pornography. What's crazy is that those tend to, to, to get to the top of that list, but if you combine what those two industries made on a global scale last year, they do not even equal the amount that was spent just in North America on advertising, which leads me to believe that the most valuable thing that you might have to offer is your attention. 
And I believe that because somebody's willing to spend $296.4 billion to acquire it. It's very interesting. So I'm going to wrap this up, land this plane, let you guys um, break off into groups here. In verse 12, it says, Worthy is the lamb who was slain. It says the lamb who was slain is worth power, he's worth wealth, he's worth wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing. And now it says, this is not a knock against the praise of worship. I'm a musician, big fan. But you cannot give the lamb who was slain everything he is worth in a three-minute or three-song worship set. Even if all those songs are Mad City songs and each one's like nine minutes long. <laughs> Can't do it. We're going to give the lamb who was slain every single thing that he is worth. We got to do that with our lives, family. Got to. I don't know another way. So, I would encourage you guys to consider this question with your small groups. How is it would we as individuals and as a community give the lamb who was slain the power he is worth, the wealth that he is worth, the wisdom that he is worth, the honor, and I wish I had another 30 minutes on that one, honors it, that he is worth the glory and the blessing. How would we do that? I would encourage you guys to use each other to find that out. Thank you guys.